0: Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan Chase Bank NA member FDIC. Copyright 2024 JP Morgan Chase & Company. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula 1 Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G Advanced Network solutions can do for your business at tmobile.com slash now.
1: View 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
2: pushkin lucinda williams is defying convention while most of her peers have settled into a well-worn groove the 67-year-old alt country icon just released an album that's way more punk than country lucinda's early projects were with folkways records and sonically she fit right in with the label's other releases by woody guthrie pete seeger and Leadbelly. but her first big success came in the late 80s after she left her folky persona behind in favor of a more modern sound, something like a Bonnie Raitt meets Bruce Springsteen. And now she's changing it up again. She compares her latest album's Raw Grit to early Stooges records, Lucinda's snarling and growling all over the place like she was Iggy Pop. And she's getting critical acclaim. Rolling Stone says her album is electrifying and calls it her best release in years. Lucinda spoke with Bruce Headlum from her home in Nashville about her evolving sound, and how her new album was influenced by politics and an abusive relationship. This is Broken Record, liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. Here's Bruce Hedlum and Lucinda Williams.
3: We should mention we are doing this over Zoom. You just lost part of your roof in a tornado. You're <laughs> uh, in a tough few months, but... There's been real losses, too, and I don't want to dwell on it, but two people you knew, um, John Prime and Hal Wilner, who produced many records. Could you just tell me maybe about the first time you met John Prime?
4: Yeah, well, I was, yeah, we found out about both of their deaths on the same day, Mm -hmm. by the way, which was, yeah, the day from hell. Um well I was living here in the nineties in Nashville and no wait a minute. I met John before that. After I first moved to Los Angeles in the mid eighties, and I went to play at the uh it's a famous folk festival in Canada that's been going on for a long time. Oh uh Mariposa? Yes, I think it was a Mariposa folk festival, and John was there. He was on the bill and I have a photograph of us actually that somebody took from there. And that's when I first met him. And then flash forward several years later, I'm living in Nashville and he had, he was living here. It's a fairly small city and it was even smaller then. Mm -hmm. and you know, so we crossed paths again and he asked me to open some shows for him and And then, but the story that I always remember that gets, that I always love to tell is when John and I decided to try to write together. And so we met for drinks and dinner at this cafe. And then we went over to Old Boy Studio, his studio at Old Boy Records on Music Row at the time. And it was when I was working on the songs for Car Wheels and I had. Drunken Angel, I'd been working on forever, and I was stuck with that song. I couldn't seem to finish it. So I thought I would show it to him and see if he had any ideas for it. And so he came up with a, some, a couple of lines that were great for a John Prine song, <laughs> but not, you know, kind of humor, you know, that great, sly, witty humor he had. Right. You know, but they didn't really fit for a Lucinda Williams song. And he knew that. I knew it. He knew it. And we just, you know, the rest of the night, we just laughed and, you know, played songs and, you know, talked until the sun came up.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: And, it, you know, it was one of the best evenings I've ever spent, you know, with another songwriter. And so, and of course I sang on um, a couple of albums with him. Right. A couple of songs on some albums and you know,
3: so tell me about because um, Hal Wilner produced one of your albums, and I'm
4: Hal Wilner produced the West album, yeah, and that was a shock um, because we didn't even know he'd gotten sick or anything. You know, he wasn't in the hospital or anything. It was just Hal Wilner died. You know, so with John, we knew, of course, you know, he was in the hospital, and you know, there was always that possibility. We shouldn't make it easier, of course. But with how we had no forewarning at all.
3: Yeah. So we should, we should talk. We're going to talk about a lot of things, but we should talk about the new record. Uh, it's got a heavy, almost garage band sound. Now, you've done that a lot, like Unsuffer Me and Change the Yeah."
4: I have done that, and I've wanted to do more of that you know
3: for this one did you do you write the songs and then get in the studio and think i know it makes sense or do the songs come prepackaged with like that a fuzzy
5: guitar
4: no i i just you know i go through a writing phase well i'm always you know coming up with lines and notes and this you know i keep a uh, running uh you know like a briefcase full of songs that are half finished or titles for songs, ideas for songs. I mean, that's an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. And But I'm not a little disciplined where I'll sit down every single day and say, okay, I'm going to work on writing. You know, I don't do that. I should do that, I guess. But whatever. That's I've accepted that about myself, you know.
3: It seems to be working for you. So don't change it now.
4: Anyway, it comes out. I get them out. So whatever yeah. it takes. So I get in that writing mode and then I'm just writing, writing, writing you know, for like two weeks straight. This just all came together kind of magically. I mean, we went in with to, with Ray Kennedy. Ray had invited us just to come in and do a couple of tracks just to see what happens kind of thing. Right. You know, it wasn't like this big official, okay, we're going to do the whole album with, at Ray, and his, with Ray and his studio. So even that was really, was kind of spontaneous. You know, we went in, and we were in between tours, so we didn't have that much time. We had a couple of a few days in between runs, and we went in and started putting a couple of these things down, and right off the bat we knew, you know, we, there's we got something here, mm-hmm. you know. And somehow Ray just, I mean, he just tuned right in to you know the sound and everything. It's I guess it was a combination of Ray's expertise that acoustics in the studio you never really know you know yeah at one point i asked tom i said you know just hypothetically what would happen if we took ray and went to a different studio you know would we get the same sound and and at one point tom said i don't think we would Mm. you know it's just all those things you know happen at the same time to make it work
3: and do you think it's a sound that just suits these songs
4: Yeah, that's the thing. And we cut some other ones too, but it became evident at a certain point there's a certain sound here and these certain songs are working really well. You know, it's starting to come into place like that.
3: Mm -hmm. A lot of people have talked about the sound of the record. But to me, what was really a shift for you was a lot of the language in the record. Mm -hmm. Because, and I think most people, when they think of you, Think of you know, you very evocative language, and not just visual images. You know, you've <laughs> car wheels on a gravel road. Right. Maybe one of my favorite lines of yours, which is uh, "heavy blankets cover lonely girls." Oh, thank you. Lonely girls,
4: yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: this album, the language is much more. It's it's more direct, but it's more uh apocalyptic, for the lack of a better
4: yeah, word. I don't know. Yeah.
3: Was it was it deliberate? Were you trying to put away some of your older ideas? or
4: Not really, because, I mean, you know, I have some other songs that are more, you know, that are kind of like what you're talking about. But, you know, I just didn't put them on this album. It just felt like the right time to do. I just, right off the bat, I love the sound that we were getting in the studio. Mm-hmm. And it felt very freeing, it felt liberating and cathartic to, the band felt this way too, everybody's in the same you know, we're all feeling this angst Mm -hmm. and this frustration and anger and but it's a healthy anger, it's you know that kind of anger like I want to change things and we got to do something it's it's kind of, there's a sense of desperation I think right now, you know, I mean it's pretty, (laughs) Things have reached a pretty uh, crucial point, you know, in this country. And so I guess I just felt like this is a time to kind of, you know, take myself out of it a little bit and and just kind of. But I'm still in there, though, you know. Oh, yeah. But, um, But it's just they're more kind of universal, not necessarily political songs, just more songs for humanity. I guess maybe the thing is it all started happening at the same time that Tom and I got engaged and got married and everything. And so that was obviously a big, huge change in my life. And as a songwriter, I was aware of the fact that, you know, it was kind of a test also to tell you the truth, you know, to see if I could do this Mm -hmm. because, you know, I couldn't keep writing unrequited love songs forever. Yeah. You know, I had to branch out into other things, which I'd been wanting to do anyway.
3: Is that what, I mean, it's a pretty dark record.
4: Yeah, but, but I feel like it's hopeful still. But, you know, I've always had people say my music was dark, even as far back as Sweet O World. You know, because I had two songs on there about suicide. Yeah. You know, Sweet O World and Pontiola and Right. You know. Um, people would say, oh, God, you know, your songs are so dark. But I've always dug in there. You know, I've always, like, gone beneath the surface and dug out the dirt and pulled it up for everybody to see. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, this is, come on, people, you know, wake up. I mean, that's always been me. Yeah. And I guess this is just kind of maybe pushed it a little bit more that way, you know, and people are going, wow. Oh, it really couldn't have come out at a better time, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's just responding. It's like a salve. that that's the response I'm getting more is people are saying, thank you. I needed this kind of mm-hmm. thing.
3: Tell me a bit about you don't run. sorry. You don't run me. Um, I got the name wrong.
4: Uh, oh, you don't rule me. You don't rule
3: me. I'm sorry. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Listen, we're all in the same. It's like, yeah, it's find it of hard to focus.
5: Yeah. I
4: mean, a lot of people are talking about that, that it's hard to focus. You know, that's why I'm glad I have all this press and everything right now because it gives me something to focus on. You know, right. like, I have to get up by a certain time, I have to do this. <laughs> you know, because otherwise I'm just, I'm like sitting on the couch doing crossword puzzles right. all day. Yeah, you know? that
3: too. Actually, I was getting it mixed up in my mind with uh, You Don't Own Me, that Leslie Gore song. And I was like, oh, well, yeah. that's not it. I love that song. That is a good song.
4: You know what? And they're similar, actually. Um, but anyway, yeah, I got that from there's a Memphis mini song mm-hmm. by the same title, and yeah, I discovered her music a long time ago, back in the seventies. Yeah, you did. And,
3: you did. Uh, me and my chauffeur on one of your yeah, first albums.
4: Yeah, I recorded yeah. that. Me and my chauffeur blues on the uh, first folkways album.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: So you know, she was a real important. Um, Musical figure for me because, you know, to my knowledge, she was at least not the only one, but one of a handful. You could probably count them on one hand of women who played guitar and wrote their own songs.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, um, and so this is one that she recorded. That her version is more the personal thing. You know, to the to her man saying you can't rule me, you can't take my money to, you know, she always wrote, all of her songs are about all these bad men, you mm-hmm. know, who did her wrong and everything. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of made it more topical, I guess, or, you know,
5: mm-hmm.
4: this is, you can't rule me.
5: was beautiful.
3: I love that dotted line uh, line.
4: Yeah. The, the dotted line ain't been song. I love yeah. that.
3: I admit, a little bit of me, I, want, I went back, a little bit of me wanted that to be in the uh, Memphis mini version. I went back and looked. And it wasn't.
4: Yeah. It's real similar.
3: It, it's funny how that song and, and the Leslie Gore song, they're, they're personal songs that sort of become political songs in a way. Yes. Or it's yes. like uh, what Aretha Franklin did with Respect. There's
4: yes. That's a, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Analogy, that comparison, that's great.
3: When you write uh, a political song like that or a song that's politically tinged, how is that different than when you're writing a personal song? Are they come easier? Are they harder?
4: Um, I still approach it a lot in the same way. I mean, um, because I still have to feel like I'm in it and it's coming from me. You know, it's something that I'm frustrated about too. So it's not like I'm separating myself from the song. But um, I think it is... It, to me, it's been harder in the past to write political songs or topical songs in the way that... Because I always wanted to be able to write one like Masters of War. Right. You know, the Bob Dylan protest songs that I grew up listening to. mm mm-hmm. Hard Rain's Gonna Fall. You know, times they are changing. And, you know, those kinds of songs. Those are... And, you know, I've taken a stab at it over the years. But to me, like, I don't really call them protest songs. That's why I don't really call them that, because it's more about the suffering of people and humanity and um, and the rights of people. And, like, I have five the same feelings. Or that song, you know, Born to be Loved, You Weren't Born to Suffer. You Weren't Born. When I sing, when I wrote that song, when I sing it, I think about child abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about the rights of, that children don't have. And these little kids that are, you know, abused and beaten up and thrown into a closet. And, you know, a lot of dark stuff. that mm-hmm. that's, that's in that song. But it might not just be right in your face.
3: Right. You know. You do have a very harrowing song on this album uh, about an abusive relationship.
4: Yeah, that was me. Yeah. I used to judge and say, oh, you know, um, that's never going to be, you know, I'm, I wouldn't let that happen, mm-hmm. you know. And there I was, you know, I met this guy who was sober. When I met him, he was living in a, the most stupid thing I've ever done. He was living in a sober living house. Right. That's the awkwardly of it. And I'm thinking... <laughs> What well, could possibly go wrong? The guy's sober, he's in a sober living house, you know. I didn't know, you know, stupid me. Hello. If somebody's in a sober living house, they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. They're not supposed to leave, you know, yeah. and move in with you. <laughs> you know, so he moves out of the sober living house in with me. And surprise, surprise, you know, starts first it just starts off with a little drinking. Next thing you know, he's you know, down in the basement of the house shooting speedballs, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it just escalated. I, the only way I could look at it now, it was a, it was a you know, it was a lesson. It was just um, proof in point that it doesn't matter, you know, what race you are, you know, what class you're from or what, you know, any of that, you know, you can find yourself in in those situations, you mm-hmm. know.
3: Do you ever think, sort of by analogy, because you're talking about the political situation, um, you said, like, how did you let yourself get into a bad personal situation? Do you ever wonder how you see the country getting in a bad political situation?
4: Yeah. I guess it's a, it's interesting. When you said that, I started so- suddenly seeing the this kind of... Um, metaphor, something running between the domestic abuse, you know, situation and then the situation with, you know, Trump and his cronies and everything, you know, because I mean, it it does feel like abuse. It feels like a national abuse.
5: Right.
4: You know, we're all being abused, actually. You know, we don't feel we don't feel cared for. We don't feel comforted.
2: We'll be right back with Lucinda Williams after a quick break.
0: Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Listen to the Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JPMorgan Chase Bank N.A. Member FDIC. Copyright 2024, JPMorgan Chase and Company.
6: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024.
7: Brought to you by T-Mobile for Business. Now is the time for 5G business. These days, we have robots that do brain surgery. You can ask an AI chatbot to write your term paper. But yesterday, as I was driving fruitlessly around the parking lot of my local supermarket, all I could think was, why can't someone come up with a gizmo that just directs me to the nearest available parking spot? Well, it turns out that's just the kind of solution that T-Mobile for Business can come up with. From smarter cities to safer industrial workplaces, 5G can enable a better, more connected world. And T-Mobile for Business has the network built for the way business and tech converge today. Right now, workforces are more widely distributed than ever. Industries are ripe for disruption, and tech is advancing at a rate that requires vast and secure connectivity. Offering the nation's largest 5G network, T-Mobile is the best network partner to take your business to the next level. Now is the time to business bravely and start building your future today. Go to tmobile.com slash now to learn more.
2: We're back with more of Bruce's conversation with Lucinda Williams.
7: Do you worry that,
3: because your stuff hasn't been explicitly political before, that it's going to turn off some of your audience? I'm
4: probably going to lose some fans, mm-hmm. you know, but so be it. I mean, I thought about it. Honestly, I thought the song that was going to disturb people the most would be Waking Up, you know, because it's so just right in your face. But the song that's been the one, but that's not really a political song, but the song that's probably obviously most people, you would probably think would be the one that it is happening with, which is Man Without a Soul. Right. You know, but...
3: And you, did you, I, I read a story that you posted that at the yes, Times we, site.
4: There was an article that came out in the New York Times that, ironically enough, said something like, um, where, is the, where is the soul of Donald Trump? Or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we were all going, wow, this is really interesting. I wonder if whoever wrote the article had heard the song, or is it just a coincidence? So anyway, we posted a link to the article with a link to the song, Man Without a Soul, on my Facebook page. And I started looking at it one night and started seeing all the comments that were coming in. Mm -hmm. And I was shocked to see some of them. One of them said, well, I thought Lucinda was a compassionate person. You know, she wrote that song, compassion. Mm -hmm. This isn't compassionate. She has no right to write a song like this. This isn't right. That really bothered me. Like, I mean, But
3: that's also an interesting...
4: Because I am a compassionate person. Well, wasn't
3: that one of the songs that was taken from uh, one of the poems of your father? Yeah,
4: that's what they were talking about. You know, they said, he's whoever it was said, she wrote this song, Compassion. He says, I don't see anything compassionate at all about this. Mm-hmm. Like I was just... I had gone over the line, right? See, now I'm worried about this song. Man, without a soul, there's not enough compassion, and I'm gonna be worried now.
3: <laughs> you should stop worrying. Okay. That song's completely transformed when you do it that way.
4: Yeah,
3: it's it's it. It doesn't it like it just tightens around your heart. That song.
4: I know. I want. I uh, see. I like the acoustic version I did of this. The demo version I like better than the. I like my vocal better on it. I don't know. Maybe I'll put out a put out the acoustic. Do an
3: acoustic version, yeah.
4: Version, you know, it, it is a different thing. It's a different feel. Yeah, this song was Tom brought this song to me. He brought the idea to me, and I actually resisted it at first, you know, because. I sort of felt that way, like, you know, remember that song, that Neil Young, that line in a Neil Young song where he says, even Richard Nixon has got soul. Mm -hmm. And we talked about, you know, I said, well, you know, everybody's got a soul. Even Donald Trump has a soul. I mean, you know, and then Tom said, well, just look at it as an expression, not don't. It's not meant to be taken literally.
5: Right.
4: And. And also, Tom said when he was first writing the song, when he was looking at it, he was imagining the guy in my abusive relationship. He said he was, to him, it's as much about something like that as it is the president of the United States. It's not necessarily, you know, he kept, he, was tell, he would tell me, like, don't tell people it's about Trump. It doesn't have to be. You know, and I said, well, I'm not telling people it's about Trump. They're telling me, that, you know, <laughs> people hear it and they go, oh, that song about Trump, you know. Yeah. So now I'm kind of stuck with that. <laughs> and, you know.
3: Well, let me ask you, do you have the, the guy in the abusive relationship? Do you feel compassion for him in some way or not? at
4: Yes. I feel compassion for, you know, that's just how I am.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I mean. I feel sorry for Donald Trump. You know, I do. He's a he's mentally ill. He needs help. He needs, but he not doesn't need to be trying to run the country.
3: If you just you, if you just hurry out an album called "I Feel Sorry for Donald Trump," I think all your fans will come. <laughs> They'll just come back. You can walk the streets of Tennessee, and you'll be safe.
4: People are losing friends over this. I really? mean. Never mind fans, you know, people are unfriending people right and left on Facebook, you know.
5: Mm
4: -hmm. I mean, I have a cousin, I have a first cousin who I adore, I love and simply adore, who became a Trump person, Trump supporter. And I'm shocked because our grandfather was a socialist Democrat, Methodist minister, civil rights supporter and equal rights and all of that. Those, that's the family I come from on my dad's side. And here's my cousin. What happens to people?
3: I do want to talk a bit more about your family. Uh, not everybody grows up in, the, in a household with a famous poet. Did he influence your early writing directly?
4: I'm sure. I'm sure he did. I'm sure his work did. I mean, I... When I started writing songs, I would show him, you know, I was my father and I were real close. We bonded mm-hmm. uh, for when I was very young, you know, because my mother was suffering from pretty severe mental illness. And so my dad would kind of take the, you know, sort of take up the slack, so to speak, you know, so he and I were really close and. So as soon as I learned to read and write, I was writing little poems and stories and things, you know, you know, then that turned into, I started taking guitar lessons when I was 12 years old in 1965. And then I started, you know, writing songs and all. And, you know, the more I got into that, I started, I would show him some things and he would, he would critique it really like a, really you know, a professor. You know, he would be real honest with me and but gentle, but honest, you know, and give me constructive criticism and make suggestions. And so I I certainly learned definitely from, it was almost like an apprenticeship in a way, you know, um, or a built-in creative writing course at home, you know, because I never studied it in school. So that was kind of, that was that was where I learned probably the craft of it
3: of it uh, i did hear a story that your father once took you to meet flannery o'connor
4: yeah we were living in Macon georgia and that's where i went to um first i started school there so i was i was pretty young i was about 6 years old i guess maybe and um she lived in Millageville, georgia right in her old family farm, farmhouse. And um, so my dad, and she, he considered her his greatest teacher. You know, she was his mentor. They had been communicating and talking on the phone and writing letters mostly. And so now that we were in Macon, she invited my dad to go to drive over to Milledgeville and visit one afternoon, so he took me with him. Flannery had a very regimented writing schedule, mm-hmm. you know. And so when we got there, she wasn't quite done with her writing period, you know. We got there about half an hour before she was finished. So my dad said he remembers seeing the her the Venetian blinds to close, you know, and <laughs> she was working in a room and she pulled the blinds down and her housekeeper came out. We were on the front porch, and her housekeeper came out and said, "Mr. Williams, but uh, Miss Granbery's not quite done yet. You'll have to wait out here on the porch." Very southern, very old mm-hmm. South, you know. And um, so we waited on the porch, and then after a little bit, the housekeeper came, opened the front screen door, and said, "Okay, Mr. Williams, you can come in and." And I stayed outside and played with her, or chased her peacocks. Apparently, so that's my memory of it. But and then I, when I became a teenager, I read everything of hers. Mm-hmm. I just devoured it.
3: Yeah, uh, she had a great line. Um, uh, you know, somebody asked her Southern Gothic. You know, why why does the South have, have so many freaks? And she said, "We don't have more freaks than anybody else. We're just better at recognizing them." Yes, that was such a great line.
4: Why can't I think of something like that to say?
3: Oh, you thought of plenty of things, plenty. Of
4: things. God, okay. <laughs> but it's, I mean, when I when I read her stuff, though, it all just made so much sense to me. I mean, I just said, God, I know what that per. I've seen that person. I've seen that. You know, my mother's side of the family. For God's sake, you
2: know? We'll be back with more from Lucinda Williams after a quick break.
0: J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Copyright
6: 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024.
7: Brought to you by T-Mobile for Business. Now is the time for 5G business. These days, we have robots that do brain surgery. You can ask an AI chatbot to write your term paper. But yesterday, as I was driving fruitlessly around the parking lot of my local supermarket, all I could think was, why can't someone come up with a gizmo that just directs me to the nearest available parking spot? Well, it turns out that's just the kind of solution that T-Mobile for Business can come up with. From smarter cities to safer industrial workplaces, 5G can enable a better more connected world. And T-Mobile for Business has the network built for the way business and tech converge today. Right now, workforces are more widely distributed than ever. Industries are ripe for disruption, and tech is advancing at a rate that requires vast and secure connectivity. Offering the nation's largest 5G network, T-Mobile is the best network partner to take your business to the next level. Now is the time to business bravely and start building your future today. Go to tmobilecom slash now to learn more.
2: We're back with Lucinda Williams performing Shadows and Doubts from her new album, Good Souls, Better Angels.
5: Wow.
3: That was fantastic.
4: Thank you. Yeah, I'm real proud of that one.
3: Um, where'd that come from?
4: Well, um, you know, it's open for interpretation. You know, I wrote it about someone I know personally who was having problems with this, the whole Me Too movement mm-hmm. thing and had been accused of some things. And, um, you know, it's the first time I'd known anyone who was going through that. And You know, nothing had been proven yet, but of course, you know, all the accusations start ro- rolling in and storming in, and, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, everybody abandoned him. He lost his management. And his, he was supposed to have an album or two albums were supposed to be coming out. And those got shelved. And I mean, just, you know, his whole world collapsed And, you know, he's an artist I've always admired, you know, as far as his artistry. Yeah. And, you know, I was able to it's a song about compassion
5: mm-hmm. <laughs>
4: again, you know, and it could be about, I think it could be about anybody who's a victim, if you will, of, you know, the press or and all of that. You know, people are talking about you and, and you know, mm-hmm. the misunderstandings that come from with all of that, you know.
3: Um, tell me about When the Way Gets Dark.
4: Well, you know, that's one of my simpler songs that... Mm-hmm. At first, I thought even, I wondered if if it was even good enough, I guess, because it didn't really have those, you know, I guess that kind of depth or something, you know, lyrically. But there's something about it, the simplicity, I think, won out, you know, And, and I started experimenting with that kind of writing when I did, when I was doing Essence, the songs for Essence, because the thing is like car wheels really set the bar. Right. You know, from as far as song writing goes. And so as soon as I had to start working on songs for the next album after Car Wheels, it was really challenging because I thought, well, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna have to always be writing songs of you know, these narrative involved songs that some of which take a long time to write. Mm-hmm. You know, I so I, with essence I gave myself permission to kind of just write some of these, like, Are You Down? Mm
5: -hmm. You know,
4: which is inspired by the music of Short Day, by the way.
3: Is that right? Um, Okay.
4: And it's just like this little simple song. Mm -hmm. But now when we play it, it's a great live because the band takes off and does this whole, you know, kind of musical interlude thing and people are dancing and stuff. And, you know, I kind of have to, Every now and then I have to remind myself, it's okay. Every single song doesn't have to be this literary infused narrative masterpiece, you know, <laughs> like, so, you know, but sometimes I worry about that.
3: Have you been tempted, and I'm sure you're asked this all the time, to do sort of a bigger literary form, like a novel or a short story, or like, um, do you like being a songwriter?
4: One time I got asked to, I think actually Resident Catch was, this was years and years ago in the 90s, She was asking his songwriters to take one of their songs and make a short story out of it. Oh. And I thought, the first one that came to mind at that time, I was going to try it with Paniola. That song, because it had such a great story behind it, you know. But I sat down to try to do it and found it to be, I felt, you know, found it to be very challenging and I don't know, maybe it's because I ru- grew up around poets and novelists, mm-hmm. and I sort of felt like, you know, my dad kind of drilled into me that, you know, the difference between poetry and songwriting, for instance. You know, like, I remember one time I gave him something that I thought might become a poem, because mm-hmm. I wasn't sure, you know. And so I gave it to him, and he said, you wrote me back and said, Honey, I think this wants to be a song. You know, and it, it, there is kind of that sense of like, I'm the poet, you're the songwriter. Oh,
3: well, I, I think you should go back. You should go back and do that with Roseanne Cash. I
4: have, the, I have this fantasy of, you know, when I'm older, having a big old house and one of those big, nice, comfortable desks and comfortable chairs and. I'm sitting there, you know, working on my novel.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> the Shining comes to mind. Yeah. Comes and Tom brings in little sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> and then looks at the, you know, looks at the typewriter. And, and I'm typing the same thing over and over again.
3: Now, I think you should do it and you should call the book cover version. You have to cover your own songs in short stories.
4: <laughs> okay.
3: Um, I've taken up so much of your time. It's been really wonderful.
4: Yeah, it has. I feel like I've made a new friend.
2: <laughs> Thanks for listening to Lucinda Williams for taking the time to chat with and perform for Bruce. You can hear a new album and all our favorite Lucinda Williams songs by heading to brokenrecordpodcast.com. dot com, and be sure to check out our YouTube channel where we're putting up all our old episodes and our new ones, sometimes with bonus content. You can subscribe at YouTube dot com slash Broken Record Podcast. Broken Record is produced with help from Jason Gambrell, Mia LaBelle, Leo Rose, and Martin Gonzalez for Pushkin Industries. Our theme music's by Kenny Beats. I'm Justin Richmond. Thanks for listening.
1: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
7: Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A dot com, to start a new musical journey today.